sure it actually does it. it says starting recording yeah we're in mate we're in we're recording we're in okay excellent right hello everybody it's been a while since we've done one of these it's uh welcome to the story with sash podcast the podcast in which we try and answer motoring related queries and other relevant stuff as well as you know we do these sort of on a quarterly basis now but for the time being I um I'm joined by well the famous others Mike and Rob how are we chaps it's been a while um and this is I think is going to be a very good podcast so I'm looking forward to speaking to you guys so first of all are we good how are we I'm okay thanks Ash yeah it's all all going well for me how about yourself Rob bearing up under life strains yeah and, and how about you me um i've been better um it's um it's finally bit me i currently have could well, i contracted covid19 um i don't want to make a big deal of it of anything like that but um you know i did fight it off i think no i mean uh, currently in self-isolation my last um isolation day is tomorrow my 10th day um so yeah i haven't been out of the house in well over a week or whatever um and for those of you who might be listening to this um well actually it applies to everyone in the world really to be honest you've probably heard of omicron um yeah it's spreading around quite a lot and particularly the part of the country i live which where i live is not far from london it's uh, quite a hot spot at the moment so i think it bit me while i was there so um but I'm on the mend. Haven't had my booster, but because um, I was planning on having that, but then I caught COVID, so couldn't have it um, yet. So, uh, but yeah, it's just kind of like having a flu, really. Not a very nice one. You just cough a bit, and yeah, just when I did the lateral flow, I just couldn't believe it actually happened. You know, when you double take, when the result looks a bit different to normal. I looked. So basically, I went to go make a cup of tea because I was feeling a bit wonky. I was actually at work as well. It didn't, didn't help with the whole drama. But anyway, I came home from work feeling a bit wonky. And I was meant to go somewhere that evening. So I thought, I'll do a natural flow test. Um, and I went to go make a cup of tea. By the time I came back about five minutes later, I was like looking at it going, hmm, this looks a bit odd. And I was like, oh, oh damn, this ain't good. So I was like, right, I'll do another one. Could be could be wrong. I was like, I'm just in case, yeah. Just in case. <laughs> just in case. Don't think that's how it yeah. works. No, but literally, what happened was I I literally stood there and watched it, and the two lines just came instantaneously, pretty much, and they weren't like faint lines or anything. They were very clear and distinct, and I was like, yeah, there's no ambiguity here. I've definitely got it. And then did a PCR and it did the same thing. But yeah, but I'm alright. Um, for, for my information, because we don't have lateral flow tests in the in in the uae um so how, how, how do you just do you just have to carry one around one of these like lateral flow tests around with you in case of emergency now or like how does no. it work you, you can get them delivered for free next day or you can just go and pick them up from a pharmacist for free so you don't carry them around but you can get them wherever you want right okay okay so the advice pre well the advice is still there the, the government has recommended for some time now to do two lateral flow tests a week, which is what I normally do. So I do one on a Monday and one on a Friday normally. Um, and I did on this instance, I did one on a Monday, tested negative in the morning. And then Monday evening wasn't feeling great, but I thought I should slightly run down. And then Tuesday went to work and then Tuesday evening came over, was feeling really rotten and did a test and it just tested positive. 
So how, um, it, how, how, how is the government tracking like the results of the lateral flow tests? They've got QR code, scan them in on the government website. Oh, nice. Okay, that's yeah. uh, that's pretty uh, 21st century for the UK. <laughs> I, I mean, everything is. else is pretty much steam powered. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, um, it's more now that the I think I'm right in saying this, Mike, but the emphasis is also quite a lot on the PCR tests. So we're from a from a work perspective as well. Like obviously I informed him, but they're like, until you get the positive PCR result, that's kind of like the 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 one in gold almost. That confirms everything because that's just a bit more reliable and so on. But yeah, I uh, so I didn't personally register mine until I got the positive PCR because I thought, well, that's kind of obviously I was self isolating everything, but I was like let's just wait and see i mean there is a chance but i knew it was going to be positive most likely but uh, yeah. do you have to go out Sorry. for a pcr test does that like is that like, um, how do they work you can get them to like drive through or you could do a drive through i did a drive through because i wanted to get it because the post at the moment is particularly being christmas and everything like that so uh yeah Sorry, I didn't mean to end up talking for the first five minutes without this podcast for oh, COVID, but uh, it's interesting. It's a good question because on the on the COVID front, I'll tell you something funny that they've started doing here. They've put this border back up between Dubai and Abu Dhabi, and now I don't. Um, I question the validity of this. Apparently, they've got an application that you can install on your phone that you can scan someone with the camera, and it will tell you if they've got COVID. Now, okay. I have no idea. <laughs> now, okay, Abu Dhabi's bought into this in a big way, and there are these, like, so there's, like, actual scanners that I think are, like, thermal camera scanners, but yeah. apparently they call it, like, electromagnetic, like, discharge or something, like EMD, and it's, like, some kind of weird thing, and it looks at your electromagnetic spectrum, and then on the basis of that recommends whether you should go for a, an antigen test or not like antigen test or a PCR test, and they literally are pulling you over at the border and people point their phones at you and then go, yeah, you're good, or no, you're not, go and do an antigen test. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just very sceptical at this whole, like, hmm, I can download an app and I can point it at people and it tells me they may or may not be infectious. Mm, I don't know about that. Mm. But I just thought it might be interesting for you guys to know because I thought you might get a laugh out of it. I have, yeah. to it face. I have to wind the window down in my car and not laugh at these like very official looking police people with automatic weapons and phones <laughs> when they're like you have covid you don't have covid you can go <laughs> like oh dear. um what, what does your iphone say what does steve jobs say is my covid status <laughs> Yeah, we live in a very funny world. And, you know, I think the idea of this podcast is obviously the final podcast of the year. Um, and it's it's a, it's a chance to look back um, on the year and also um, to look back at a podcast that we made pretty much this time last year and reflect on a few things that we want to talk about. But before we go into that, a couple of, uh, I think, hot topic motoring related press news in the UK. Um well, I say a couple, one really I've only got. Last week, um, as we record this podcast, from the 16th of December, you could officially start towing a trailer without having to do a trailer license up to three and a half tons cumulatively, I think, the weight. Yeah. Or three and a half tons. Yeah, something like that. Mike, you're, you're, you're celebrating it. And it's, a good, it's good news for the petrol head in the UK because that means that they can ultimately buy another car that doesn't necessarily have to be, isn't roadworthy, and uh, they can tow it. 
if they have a trailer and a tow when you say, bar. When you say it's good news for the motorist, it's good news for you, Sash, because you only buy cars that aren't roadworthy. Yeah, you can actually tow your cars back now. So <laughs> you, can, you can tow your cars <laughs> to even wider. <laughs> <laughs> you, you laugh, but all of my vehicles as of this morning are now road legal. Um, Hang on a minute. What this has actually done is given you some inconvenience, because if you've got a car that's not road legal, you have to. You can now go buy a trailer, which is cash you have to spend, which is a a trailer that has a very specific purpose because you can't use it for other things. You can then have to get your car fitted with a tow bar, which is more expense, just to drive your unroadworthy car to the garage. Then when you've done that and the garage has fixed it, then you've got to try and get. Then you've got to take a taxi from your house to the garage to pick up your new roadworthy car. Whereas before, you could just sell your car for scrap and then you'd have a much better life. Yeah. You should have sold your car for scrap. <laughs> you said in that there, Sash, that you, you, all your cars as of yesterday are roadworthy. That's put me in a bit of an embarrassing spot because not all my vehicles are roadworthy. Are they not? Are your, is your 330 suffering? The, no, well, the 330 is physically roadworthy. It's just not legally roadworthy. It's got no, no MOT and it's rapidly about to have no insurance. So it's sat in the garage, tucked up. Uh, I need to sawn it really in the next kind of, kind of week or so. So uh, that, okay. I'm in Sasha swap positions, you know. I uh, know. Well, it's okay like to say my... I think Sash has got a solution to your lack of roadworthy vehicles <laughs> based on the <laughs> podcast. I suppose that's a, that's a bit of news right there. The reason why it's not roadworthy is because I've bought the truck, haven't I? I've got a, I've got a new vehicle. Yes, actually, this is a good point. This is a good point because when we last spoke, actually, a couple of things have happened. So, Mike, tell us, tell us about the truck. Tell the viewers. Tell the listeners. I bought a new truck. So, my new my new vehicle is a 2011 Ford Ranger Thunder, the the, wow. the, the, the cab one. So it's got got all the back seats. It's got the heated leather seats in the front. You know, the whole the whole lot. And uh, yeah, well, I needed I needed. I need a sports utility vehicle that was sporty and had actual utility. So I bought the actual sporty utility vehicle, which is a truck. You bought a pickup truck. You didn't buy a sports utility vehicle. You bought a pickup truck. Yeah, but we've had this discussion before. Which is hilarious because you're sitting there in like a tartan shirt with your big moustache and your beard. You look more and more like (laughs) a redneck every day since you've moved to Devon. And now you've got a pickup truck. I was going to say, I can imagine Mike suiting a pickup truck very well, actually. All you need now is a cap that has like some irrelevant baseball thing on the top of it and then you'll you'll just look the part i uh, uh, may i would go and get mine it's downstairs but i feel like it's uh, too far away so i'll leave it there for now <laughs> but no i do i do see the uh yeah the way it looks like i'm sort of leaning into a look but i'm absolutely not i needed the pickup truck because it's convenient and i need it for the convenience i'm a man of convenience and i needed that to shift a load of stuff and I've already done it. I've already I've already used it many times for its intended purpose. I got it off road the other day as well. Got it in four wheel drive, taking that around some farms. So you know, I've I've fully utilised all of its all of its utility, really. And you've you've been what picking up straw or something in the with the with the with the with the with the with the, with the boot? <laughs> no, because obviously I've just moved into the house, so we've been doing lots of uh, construction and demolition and all that kind of crap decorating so we're taking stuff you've down just, you've done what every british person does when they move house they immediately start destroying it 
and they moved yeah. to a new one. <laughs> I swear everyone I know who's bought a house recently has done exactly that. They moved it destroy it. Because a mate of mine bought a van. He didn't buy a pickup truck um, like you, Mike. And um, Matt, yeah, he's been on the podcast before. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, it's, I mean, I was going to say this, this vehicle is, is primarily for your house renovation, isn't it, really? That's the main reason why you bought it. Yeah, see, it was. And then I started using it like more than my bmw and then i found out that the mot was due about two weeks ago on the beamer and then i just thought you know what i don't really need to keep it on the road so now i just use the truck as a daily driver i will say when i say daily driver i work from home so i don't (laughs) very far he looks outside his 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 little um his office and just looks at it every day like you did with your beamer Let's talk about let's talk about the, the the Ranger for a moment. But for those of us who are uninitiated in in redneck automobiles, um, the Ranger is like the one down from the F one hundred and fifty, right? Well, well, yeah. In the UK, it's the it's the only one. You can't get an F one hundred and fifty in the UK unless you import it. What? Why not? The F one hundred and fifty is great. Yeah, it's also massive. Ranger is yeah, like it's massive. a land yacht. <laughs> yeah. I'm always like I'm always, always staggered. Like whenever I go back to the UK, I'm just like. Why are all the cars so small? Like, how the hell am I going to get this golf that I've rented into this tiny car parking space? Like, what the fuck is all this? I'm used to like being able to throw my golf into a space that has enough room for about 18 motorbikes to be parked around it. Like, I haven't had to line up my car with a parking space in four years. Just kind of like throw it in there. That'll be fine. No problem. (laughs) I will say I've, I've now got that issue where if I go into a car park and I'm in the truck, it's got a tow bar on the back as well. So even if there's like a wall behind me or something... I can reverse back until the tow bar is touching the wall. Sometimes the front wheels are still over the lines. And I'm like, how is this designed for a fully... Re- like the Ford Ranger isn't a big vehicle, particularly the 2011 one. This is like the... So it's not... You might see them driving around the new ones. They are absolutely massive. There's a generation before that that's kind of big. And then the one before that is like the old generation. That's what I've got. It's like mm. the same as... Well, it's a small truck. It's not very big. I- I can vouch for that because my next door neighbor's got one of the new Rangers in black. And obviously yeah. he he parks it because we've got a driveway, you know, and I park my Saab and like he parks his Ranger and it's just overhangs so much more than even my car. My car's not exactly, it's not tiny, it's not, not massive, but it's still quite long. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, it, Mike, in the time, because how long you had it now? Like a couple of months since October? Yeah. Two two months, yeah, about mid October. Yeah. And uh, any problems? Is it all plain sailing or? Uh, <laughs> well, I bought it sight yes. unseen. <laughs> well, was it wasn't it a case that your dad went to go see it for you on your behalf? Yeah, yeah. So dad's down in Cornwall, and um, this truck was down the south end of Cornwall. And uh, it was a little bit too far for me to go. Well, it wasn't too far for me to go, but he was a lot closer than I was. He was only about half hour away. So he was like, look, I'll go and see it. He's had trucks in the past. And um, so he was like, "Okay, I'll go down. He takes a look at it and goes, yep, all fine. So I say, right, green light, take the money, go and buy it. He brings it back. And then uh, when I come down that weekend to go and see it, I lifted up the bonnet. And um, this is after we've handed over all the money, all the rest of it. It's now legally my, my, my vehicle um opened up the bonnet and i looked at the bell housing where the transmission connects on and it was just like jet black the whole thing was jet black 
I was like, ah, oh, bloody hell. And like the back of the engine on the block was all wet. And it was just absolutely, there's no other word. It was pissing oil everywhere. Like the whole back of it was just oil completely top to bottom. And I was like, oh, no, this is not, this is not good at all. Um, turns out, luckily, I say luckily, turns out luckily is a, quite a common issue with Ford Rangers of that era. Um, right. So it needed the rocker cover gasket replacing, really, is what is what it was going for. And I already knew because basically I also bought this truck with zero service history. It had absolutely none. Ten-year-old truck, zero service history. Nice. But I, saw, I I trusted it because uh, I'm a very trustworthy guy. Uh, and also in the back of it only came with the instruction manual. Uh, and then in the back of it, the guy who owned it before, he'd had it since like new. And he'd written every like 10,000 miles what he'd done. That was the only service history ballpoint pen in the back of the, in the back of the um back of the instruction manual for it and it wasn't like you know it wasn't like the, the service manual or anything it was just the, the user hand guide for whatever sat in the yeah. class and um but it had it all in there yeah, every ten thousand miles he had done the full stuff he'd replaced a lot of things on it and it had like new parts put on over the years and it drove fine and all the rest so yeah mm. but, like, but i thought you know what it's had no service history Day number one, I'm going to get it booked in, new cam belt and a service. Mm-hmm. I, I found out that it was pissing oil everywhere. I thought, well, while I'm there, while the engine's apart, I'll just uh, get them to put new gaskets in. Got them to do that. And it's it's fine now. Running running good. It's all happy. Interesting. I say, well, the reason I gave it the okay was because it was super cheap. Like This was unbelievably <laughs> cheap compared to all the other trucks. <laughs> so of course of course there's that well, well trucks are quite expensive actually I, I only found this out when you were looking for them and you know yeah. we're talking like you need it's five grand to really get into one at least right yeah, there or thereabouts the market that's like really bottom end of the market i went to go and see yeah. one or five grand and it was um <laughs> the guy who had it it was a 10 year old hilux no the 10 year old isuzu tell a lie and he'd used it down the dockyards and it had been parked on the docks for 10 years and it was just completely yeah. like it's gone. He was trying to sell it for five grand. I was like, no, no way. Absolutely mm. not. Yeah, it's that sea salt air, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Well, so you've got a truck and you've become a redneck. So what's the plans for the Beamer then? Are you going to keep that? Are you going to. Oh, sash, sash. Yeah. <laughs> dilemmas, dilemmas. I can't, I can't get rid of it. I can't bring myself to get rid of it. But right. it's now taking up space in the garage. <laughs> so well, this is it, isn't it? This is yeah. it. Um, I still think it's worth putting an MOT on it soon, um, even if you're not planning on using it, because why not? Well, I'll wait until I sell it. And then if, I, if I'm going to sell it, if I sell it, I'll MOT it and then sell it with 12 months MOT. Fair, well, that's fair enough. Because nothing wrong. It flew through the last MOT, so, and I haven't used it. Well... Yeah, this is true. This is true. Well, I've had a similar situation. Well, so since we last spoke on the podcast, I had said at the time I hadn't actually got my new car, but I had, um, I think I'd put the deposit down at that point. Um, I have now, I am now the proud owner of a Fiat Barquetta, uh, similar sort of time frames to you, Mike. Oh, um, yeah. Forgot that was about around the same time. Yeah. Yeah, it was literally around the same time. I actually got it sort of towards the it's like middle of October. So I've had it for just over two months now. 
middle to late October. Um, I must admit, I haven't used it a great deal because it's October or it's the winter in the UK and it's not really too see a convertible sports type of sports car weather, but um, it's a good opportunity to, um, you know, just get do some maintenance on it, you know, and my plan is over the course of the winter to, to continue doing some maintenance on it just to get it ready for the uh, for the spring, really. Um, so it's had uh, I've done a bit of work for the underseating, uh, the underside of the vehicle, just uh, just making sure that it's all sort of clean and tidy under there. And the next job, which I was planning on doing uh, until I got COVID, was um, doing the brakes. I'm going to change all four corners, new brakes, discs, and pads, because Good. it could do with some. Um, and there's a few other jobs like. That I'm planning on doing over the course of the of the winter, and then hopefully come about April May time, she'll be ready for some for some topless action in the in in the summer. So I'm so very much excited. Take it out. Yeah. I've taken it out, but the trouble is I haven't. So it's got a detachable hard top. Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't taken the hard top off it yet since I've had it for a couple of reasons. One, it's zero a two-man job. Well, yeah, it's zero degrees outside. Um, two, it's a two-man job to remove it. It's quite heavy. Um, three, I haven't really got anywhere to store the hard top at the moment, which is slightly inconvenient, but um, I've got a plan to, to, to figure that out. Um, so, yeah, it, the hard great top idea. will be coming off. Huh? Got a great idea. Get Go some on. pulleys and some rope. And then just like have like a system whereby when you undo unlatch the hardtop, you can just winch it up into the roof of, of your garage, and then you can drive the car out of the garage, no hardtop, back it back in later, and just winch the roof back down. That's like not a bad idea, actually. Be good. But what I was asking if you've taken it out is, what's it like to drive a left-hand vehicle in the UK? How's that treating you? Oh, actually, that's a good point because I think Rob, you were asking about this actually as well. Um, do you know what piece of cake? Yeah. Easy peasy. Well, it's actually, what's it like changing gear with the other hand in the UK? Easy, mate. I've Honestly, never done. Never done it. It's, it's changing actually, gear with the other hand is like really like it's just 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 it just kind of happens. It's oh. just more intuitive, I think, because I'm right-handed as well. So you change gear with your right hand rather than your left, and my right arm is is the stronger arm. So if anything, I think I'm better at driving, like shifting gears with the right hand than I am the left. I think. I don't know. I haven't driven it. I've driven it quite a few times. I must admit, I haven't driven it in like heavily congested areas. You know, it's obviously, you know, when you're coming out of a junction and, you know, you want to turn right out of like a T-junction or whatever, obviously you have to be a bit more vigilant. But to be fair, a car of that era, there's so much, the visibility is actually pretty good. There's so much glass around you. Well, I say that. It's not that great, and the roof's actually, off, but it's not. The visibility is going to be even better well, when the roof's off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. With the with the roof up, it's it's okay, but with the roof down, it'll be a lot better. But um, yeah. So yeah, to be honest, it's actually all right. The only thing that takes a little bit of time to get used to is your positioning on the road, because yeah. obviously you're you used to having. Yeah, yeah, I kind of spatial awareness. Had a yeah, I have had a tendency of driving in the middle of the road, which does annoy <laughs> some people um understandably but, the other way, i can imagine yeah yeah but 
to be honest, it's um, it's it, it's absolutely fine. It's not it's not that difficult. I'm not a very coordinated person by any means, but if I can do it, anyone can, you know. Yeah. So um, yes, yeah, to be honest, mate, I forgot it was left hand drive for a second. Yeah, you're right. It's uh, it's a good it's a good thing. So that's happening. Um, and meanwhile, while that's going on, this actually relates to kind of a topic we want to talk about which is relating to last year so viewers may want to cast their mind back to about this time last year and if you can't remember i'll remind you there were several things you know we were very optimistic back in 2020 the back end of 2020 <laughs> i would say um in 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 more you know in more ways than one really um it's uh we said several things you know um we said that we did actually say, and I went back and listened to this podcast last night that we would, um, myself and you, Mike, could go out and uh, see Rob. We haven't done that. Um, so we know. did say, yeah, we, yeah. Rob said he. Not good enough, really, is it? No, it isn't. <laughs> it isn't. You haven't come to, yeah, haven't come to see me. Like, I just don't even know why we're all still friends, to be honest. Yeah, I know. No, me neither. It's only, it's only his podcast that's keeping us together, mate. We don't talk. Yeah. Um, so, and amongst many other things, and we actually, uh, we actually did all say that we may or may not be purchasing vehicles in 2021 of uh, relevant sort of specification. Now, I'm going to start with you, Rob. Rob, you said, quote unquote, I've actually written this down, space permitting, I may buy a four by four. You haven't done no, that, have you? That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do that. But he did no, put but... a huge caveat to that, and you don't have the space, do you, as far as I'm aware? No, I live in an apartment. I've got a exactly. car parking space downstairs in the basement. Um, I mean, but you've got to then... build that with your car, haven't you? But, yeah, I mean, I mean, I could park, if I bought a second car, I could park it on the road, but I mean, it's also just expense, like two cars, like there's two things to go wrong, isn't it? Um, and uh, yeah, I think as we as we discussed, I just convinced my girlfriend to buy a four by four instead, which absolves me of having to spend any money on it. And uh, <laughs> as, but you can still occasionally <laughs> use it for when I need to move something or if I want to go off road. Fair. I should have thought that. That is that is a fair <laughs> fair comment. Fair comment, Rob. You're off the hook, right? Um, now, I said last year, and this was quite interesting for me. That I was either going to buy um, a, a sporty coupe or some sort of convertible. Now, the coupes I specified were an Alfa Romeo GTV or a Fiat coupe. Now, Rob, you actually suggested that. Why don't I go back into the MX-5 route? I said MX-5s are for hairdressers and I'm not interested. Um, I've done that. So what I've essentially done is kind of better. met that. It didn't get any better. No, no. <laughs> but what I've essentially done is met that criteria by not buying an Italian coupe, but buying an Italian convertible. So it combines the two. It's the best hybrid, the you know, Fiat Barchetta. No, yeah, I think right. that's okay. The thing reasonable. is, I think Mike's Mike's trying to Mike's trying to like dig him out of a hole here because we all said Mike Mike Mike's made some bold promises and mm -hmm. he knows and where I'll we're going. I'll this one deliberately to to last, really. So quote unquote, Mike said back in 2020 that 2021 was going to be his year. And that he would either buy, I'm not making this up, 
I'm not making this up, and I've actually recorded it, and I'll send it to you guys on the WhatsApp later as well, or from the podcast. He will either buy um, a BMW E46 M3 or an Audi S4. Now, credit where credit's due, right? Let me just check. What's the date today? 22nd, isn't it? Yeah. As we record this, he's still got nine days left of 2021. But I almost would, I'd bet my, all of my vehicles that you're not going to buy one in the next nine days. Now, and if the viewers can't remember exactly why this is a big deal, well, there was an implication to uh, what, well, there's a forfeit to what Mike said. Mike said that if he didn't buy one, he would end up with one of my cars and not the Barquetta or the Saab. It is my lovely fit to the Saab, mate. Don't worry. It's okay. I'll take the Saab. <laughs> yeah, I bet you will. Um, and yeah, and as of today, it's just perfect timing. It had a fresh MOT put on it today, Mike. So thank you. Do you have anything to, to do? You have anything to say for yourself? Or I do comments? actually. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to firstly say, as everyone who listens to this will be aware. 2021 lean ridiculous for secondhand car prices so the e46 m3 immediately went out the window that was not happening basically the day after i made that comment e46 m3s went up by about five grand <laughs> and then i will say the s4 nearly happened the s4 was, is still i'm still looking but the reason that the s4 made it onto the list is because it was powerful all-wheel drive and convenient what I did instead was spend the same money on a truck. Because mm-hmm. I said, trucks aren't cheap. So I ended up looking at the price of the S4s and I thought, well, if I want something that's convenient, it's going to be okay in the winter around the country roads and things. Is the S4 really the one to go for? Or should I spend the same money on a pickup truck? So I ended up spending it on a pickup truck instead. And I know that was a poor decision from a bet point of view, but it was the correct decision from moving crap out of my house point of view so that's Rob, my what do, you, what, what do you think about this i'm not um, trying to dig myself out of the hole these, these are reasons they're not uh they're not justifications then i'm not trying to excuse myself they are just the reasons of things that happened you know Sounds on, like there's, a to me. there's a big difference between the pickup truck and the audi s4 mike <laughs> A Ford Ranger. You can't see that. Truck. I'm not sure. I'm not sure you should be part of this podcast, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, it's a sporty vehicle. It's just not that sporty. <laughs> In what way is a Ford Ranger from 2011 sporty? Um, sporty what's doing? Pro- what, what, what? If you're in a question, a it's a sporty vehicle. Like? <laughs> the performance Nord 60? Uh, Nord 60. Oh yeah, it'll do. It will. It will go from naught to sixty miles an hour. Yeah, eventually. I think it's got like about one hundred and forty horsepower and about two hundred and something pound foot of torque around that mark, give or take. Wow. So you know, pretty. It's only got two hundred foot pounds of torque. No, I believe it's got more than that. What engines it got on it? 2.5 2.5 4 liter diesel. No, sorry, four, four cylinder diesel. That's a big engine to only be kicking out 240 brake horsepower. 
Oh, 140 records, pal. 200 talk, mate. 200 foot pounds of talk. Anyway, I'm not well, interested in Mike's truck. He's, he's clearly in love with his truck because he just wants to talk about that all the time and doesn't want to talk about how he didn't buy an S4 and didn't buy an M3. Um, so now he's so, yeah. going to end up with a Fiat Cinquecento. So now he's going to have to do that, yeah, which is also Sounds terrible. Like it, yeah. yeah. The thing is, though, the, the thing is, though, Mike, if you wanted a practical vehicle, you should have just waited for the Fiat. You should have just waited for the Fiat. Yeah. Just a, it's a, like I said many times, you can fit many things in that car because of its unique boxy shape. Yeah. It's so um, I could probably fit your car. No, I'm not even going to say that. <laughs> fit in the back. <laughs> Well, the thing is, so someone might call what, eyebrows if you said that. <laughs> Want to see the Cinquecento on the low bed? <laughs> <laughs> well, you say so, that the load, the load on that bed can fit a ton. And how much does the Cinquecento weigh? Under seven hundred kilos. So if I broke it all down into parts, I could fit it in the bed. <laughs> That's a good point. We never said that Mike had to like run your car for a year. You just said you had to no, have it. No, no, you just no, have to have it. Yeah. Oh, do I just have to have it? Oh, so I can, I can parts it. <laughs> well, you, know, you, can't, you, can't, you can't take my beloved vehicle apart. I mean, you can put it back together if you want to, but you can, but yeah, I think it's only fair for you to drive around in it. Um, if you, you know, you can't have a, a high performance Italian vehicle like that just sitting on your driveway doing nothing. You could, you could, of course, you could, of course, just uh, mail it to mail it back to Sash part by part. Like sort of somebody who's like <laughs> Each sort of jigsaw puzzle, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I subscribe to the new Mike Fiat Cinquecento magazine. You know those magazines you used to get adverts for. Like it's like three hundred magazines, and they only ever did fifty. So you'd have it'd have like three bits to a thing, and I'm like, where are the rest is my set. <laughs> to be fair, there probably isn't many more than three hundred parts on Sasha's car, so you know. Yeah, it's probably down to about three hundred parts for all the ones that have fallen off. <laughs> That's a fair comment. I mean, yeah, it could be a bit like an airfix, couldn't it? You just sort of get a part by part and just start assembling it together. <laughs> so um, it would be a great, it'd be a great thing. Um, yeah, but in all seriousness, Mike, we need to arrange for your delivery of your new acquired vehicle. Uh, uh, you deliver it whenever you feel like, mate. Don't feel like you need uh, to rush. I uh, know, I, I, definitely. Um, to be honest, I had anticipated doing it sooner rather than later, but um, due to COVID, that's sort of delayed a few things. So don't worry. It will be with you very soon, um, and you'll you enjoy it. I mean, I've literally laid everything out for you. It's got fresh MOT. It's got enough oil for you to do the next service in June. All you need to do is just buy an oil filter, and that's all you need to change in it. Oh, so I'm good it. as well, am I? Crikey. Well, you've got, yeah, you can't, you can't, you know, you can't, you can't let a... Go you know, down to Euro car big. parks and get your oil filter for £5.50. Do you know yeah. how much I bought? Do you know how much I actually bought an oil filter for that car for? Is it just a coffee filter? No, it's, it literally. It, I'd once bought one from your car parts for under a quid. <laughs> under right, under a pound. I will service it. Don't worry, mate. I'll do that. Yeah, for you. I, I, yeah, exactly. I'm even chucking in free oil. Um, <laughs> and to be fair, the next service only requires an oil filter and oil change. It doesn't apply the plugs because I did that this year. Um, and the other bits. So. Um, yeah, and it's only done under 600 miles in one year um, between MOTs. So, yeah, it doesn't do a lot of miles, that car, nowadays. Um, 
so yeah so that's that so um yeah that's ex- to be honest i've been waiting literally the whole year and i've been sending reminders to mike at the beginning of each month going you only got x amount of months left and x amount of months left and to be fair he's still got nine days left so if he manages to pull out the bag fair play so for for the listeners benefit and probably rob because he's forgotten and didn't listen to the podcast last night the reason i'm so optimistic is because uh i was due to buy a house that all collapsed rapidly in the new well, it didn't even collapse rapidly in the new year it all went basically tits up throughout the year and uh i ended up not getting a house until about sort of september which ended up obviously yeah. putting a complete stop to all finances and all purchasing of anything and every month I was sat there looking at all my finances going down because I was paying rents and mortgages and solicitors and all the rest of it. First of every month, Sasha's like, you bought a new car, Mike? I was like, no, of course I bought a new car. I'm hemorrhaging money here. <laughs> and do you want to know something? While Mike's um, capital was going down, car prices were going up every month oh, yeah. as as time goes on. And I was just like, this ain't going to happen start of the year i was like all the time on auto trader and all the other websites and that advert to be coming through every other day like oh here's a new m3 gone up here's an 8 series gone up here's an s4 gone up throughout the year it's just gone steadily less and less and less that are in my price range and now i'll probably get like one every two months will come through and it'll be some rusted out piece of crap mm. i'm not buying that <laughs> so, so yeah. how was your year overall then mike yeah, it wasn't my year. Anyone being your year. <laughs> being your year. <laughs> In well, summary, 2021, mani- not so you good. You managed to buy another house. Yeah, I have moved in now and I did buy a truck, so it wasn't all bad. It, yeah, to be fair, you did buy another vehicle. It wasn't the vehicle. I mean, if your year is buying a Ford Ranger pickup truck, I think you need to have higher aspirations. But um, I think, yeah... I, yeah mike i'm sorry but yeah you made a bet and um oh yeah like i said i'm not trying to get out of it i'm just giving the no, reason i didn't make it so with, that's, that's fair enough that's very noble of you and, and and with that um well actually this this kind of goes on to um uh, maybe topics of conversation for next year but before we go into that mike you want to talk about something pressing you want to talk about something related to electricity well, I suppose this does go into next year, and I'm going to preface this by saying I've learned from my mistakes, and I am making <laughs> zero commitments at all in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> this is more of a speculation, we'll call this one. Okay. But no, I've been, been looking at um, I've been looking at DIY electric vehicle conversions, and I was just wondering kind of what everyone's thoughts on the matter were. Um, and I know I've mentioned this to you before, Sash, something like the Fiat Cinquecento would be a sort of perfect candidate for that kind of thing, because out of the factory, it came with absolutely bugger all horsepower anyway. So you could just fit a fairly small motor in it and it'd probably be all right, especially for a little round the town car. But um, if you're going to do a DIY conversion, what cheap, easily obtainable vehicle would you put it in? That's, the, that's my question to you. I mean, first of all, I wouldn't because it sounds like a terrible idea. Um, <laughs> but what? <laughs> right. Rob, explain so, yourself. You are going to... Basically, what you're saying is I am so committed to not buying a new car that I will take something that is already a perfectly functioning machine 
and I will jack with it myself, who has absolutely no R&D budget, experience, qualifications, and make something better than I could possibly go and buy from Tesla or somebody else. Ah, and added to which, added to which, hang on a minute, batteries are notoriously dangerous and explode and catch fire. Motors, yeah, yeah probably pretty straightforward. Like that, that bit is probably going to be all right. And then you're going to try and somehow hotwire it into a network of charging stations in the UK. Or are you just going to charge it from your from your mains electricity in your house? Yeah, see, Rob, this is why I prefaced it with saying that uh, I'm making no commitments because I've got bugger all <laughs> ideas. <laughs> <laughs> not going to commit myself to anything because I'm not sure how stupid my idea is. <laughs> is well, if he commits himself to anything, he's going to end up with another Fiat Cinquecento on his driveway. Um, so... I'm bringing it up. I'm bringing it up as a discussion point, and and yeah, all your points are valid there, Rob. It's um, the it, basically what got me onto the thoughts of it was uh, a, a recent series that I've been watching um, on on electric vehicles. Some of you may have watched it or not on on uh, Rory Reed doing it on Auto Trader, and basically, it, you know, he bought a Nissan Leaf for I think it was like four and a half grand around that mark. But if you go out and you buy batteries, motors and, and, and inverters and all the rest of the crap, you're looking at spending, you know, 10 grand plus just for a stand basic bulk standard piece of kit. And then you've got to know how to fit it all together. And I obviously know that there are huge downsides to using an existing vehicle as well. But surely for five grand, if you've got a car that already works, already has a battery pack, already has a motor, inverter, everything, it's all designed to work together. How hard can it be to transplant it? Turns out the answer is very, but is it actually? I, I I have no idea, Mike. And I think it's a really good question. Um, because fundamentally, well, this this aren't is the thing. Quite right? simple. Yes and no, but like what Rob was saying is, oh yeah, why would you get a perfectly functioning car and then make it worse? If you got a a car that was potentially not functioning, but one that looked significantly better and and had a lot more of that cool factor. And the Nissan Leaf is, by and large, not a cool vehicle. The old ones look terrible. But, you know, inside, those motors put out 100, 140 horsepower. I think the new ones put out about 140, around that mark, maybe 150. And they get, again, the new ones are like 100-something miles of range. As Rory Reid showed, if you get an old one that's 10 years old nearly, they still put out 60-ish, I think it's 50 or 60 miles of range. If you're doing round town... That's perfectly fine. And when you said, oh, how are you going to get it into sort of a national charging grid? I've got a car charger at home, sat on the side of my garage. So that'd be where it'd be plugged into. So, you know, that, that's what's got me thinking about electric cars in general is I'm getting solar panels and I've got a car charger. So I'm like, I want to use it, but I can't afford a Tesla. So could, <laughs> could I, for like less than 10K, buy myself a second-hand Nissan Leaf, another vehicle that I actually want to drive, such as any 36 or something like that you know get get a 316 i bmw or something like that and swap in an electric motor into it how difficult would it be and it turns out reading up on forums really hard so don't know transformation from you you know sensible man who lives in bristol and has a bmw to nutcase who lives in devon and drives a pickup truck and thinks he knows best is has been almost staggering in the what three months you've lived in devon (laughs) (laughs) also rob you're sounding a bit you're sounding a bit faint mate i don't know if it's me but you hear me i don't i can hear you yeah it's very faint or i don't know mike you you getting the same 
Yeah, he's a bit faint. Yeah. Just, just, I'm just thinking of the listeners. You know, this, this high quality. Uh... You'll have to cut just... that out. Sash. You'll have to cut this out. I know. I know. I anyway, do. So. Oh, that's better. That's Is better. That better. That's better. Yeah, that's, that's probably better, dodgy, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, no, no. I mean, I see your, I see your point, Mike. I see your point. Um, well, this, this what one I think there is you've hit on is a business idea, not like for self-converting cars because that's just dreadful, and trying to get it roadworthy and like MOT'd and certified for use on Her Majesty's Highway is going to be probably the biggest obstacle there. But imagine this: if we could buy just like the chassis, batteries, motors, running gear, and electronics from Tesla not the bodywork because they look terrible and then you could you could buy them wholesale from tesla and then people ah. could bring a nice body to you say for example a jensen interceptor and then you could put a jensen interceptor on an electric body and then what you'd have is a tesla that looks like a jensen interceptor now that people will pay money for they will and they do and if you're in the classic market that's already a thing people do it you know you can get like a jaggy type electric conversion and if you're talking about wholesale, not Tesla, but Ford have literally sort of announced that, what, two, three months ago? They're, they just announced, uh, what was the, I think it was the motor that they announced fairly recently, but they're also going to be bringing out their inverter and battery packs and other bits and bobs that go along with it. For exactly that reason, instead of doing crate motors that you get from performance companies like Chevy and that, and you can, in America, and you drop them in or, or whatever, um, or I suppose Cosworth is, would be the one in the UK, you, you, you just buy a motor from. Mm-hmm. Ford are going to be doing the same for electric vehicle parts that they, they, they want to go down that market so that people can convert their own vehicles with somewhat reliable parts that actually essentially I guess plug and play without overusing the term together you can just kind of get them and make your own vehicle electric because it's going to be such a market it, you know people want to do it but Caterham Caterham are the Caterham going to come out with like a self-build electric Caterham do you reckon I was, like that? I was think I was thinking of catering. Well, I have to ask my mate Max because he works for catering. But um, I was just thinking when you were on about buying a kit that you could like have all the running gear and just put a different body on. I was my mind kind of went to catering initially. Um, I suppose I've got a question for you two. Go on. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. Uh-huh. Currently, obviously, the UK is in the process of flushing itself down the toilet. Do you think per mile it'll be more expensive to fill your car up with electricity or petrol? Given current electricity, given current electricity and petrol prices in the UK. I've got an answer for this, but Mike, I'll let you go first. Well, it's significantly more expensive if you ignore capital. I'm only talking about operational. It's significantly more expensive to fill a petrol car per mile. Interesting. At at the moment. Yeah, and if you charge it at home, if you do it on the public road, if on a public charger, nah, you, you, you're basically one and the same. Does Are it cost anything even... to use a public charger? Yes. Yeah, public charger oh. is expensive. But the oh, thing really? is, though, Mike, the thing yeah. is, I haven't looked at this exactly, but there's a new show out on um, Discovery Plus, and it's actually it's actually got me quite interested in electric vehicles in terms of the concept, not that I'm interested in getting one. Um it's, you remember Fifth Gear, right? We all grew up with Fifth Gear, watching it on the channels alongside Top Gear or whatever. They've now done a spun-off show, or their main show now is called Fifth Gear Recharge, which is all basically just focusing on electric vehicles. But as part of the test that they do, they often compare them with the internal combustion version or, you know, hybrids or, like, 
cars with super capacitors or it's a really interesting show the reason why i bring this up is because depending on the vehicle and the range even if you charge it from a uh like a public charger depending on where i still think it might actually work out probably not much cheaper but still slightly cheaper than if you were going to fill up your car with diesel or petrol at the moment with the prices that where they are maybe i don't know don't quote me on that exactly but they did a very interesting experiment between uh, a voxel courses so two voxel courses one the normal one like a 1.2 petrol and the other an electric version mm-hmm. and they did all the maths and they did all the calculations for like a four-year lease deal right that obviously everyone does nowadays because the world well, will be uk more specifically which do you think came out cheaper um over the course of the four years this includes running costs and this includes not running it on cheap electricity from home this includes the prices that they are today from like running it from like a public charger in like a car park somewhere in like Lidl, right or something like that from a public charger and also comparing a car against its petrol variant considering petrol variants are by default cheaper I'd say it's petrol. I reckon you're cheaper off over a four-year lease deal. You're cheaper off petrol. Interesting. Rob, what do you think? Um, I think I'm probably going to have to side with Mike on that. So I think it's probably petrol as well. Just, it's I reckon. In, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that, but, um, and hopefully I haven't got this, I definitely know the answer's correct, what I'm about to say. I can't remember exactly how much, but roughly. Um, over a four years... You're right, it is more expensive to pay per month for the electric vehicle because they're more expensive to buy at the moment. However, even if you take that into consideration with servicing, the average miles per year, which they put is like 8,000, I think, or something like mm-hmm. that, um, and charging from like public charges, you are better off per year in the electric car and you save about over 500 pounds per year. So over the course of a four-year lease deal, you're saving over two grand, even though your That's monthly repayments good. for the car are um, are more. However, there's obviously caveats. <clears throat> this is obviously based on today's prices and assuming that nothing changes. Obviously, if you go for an electric car at the moment as well, um, I don't know exactly works, but you do get a, a mild subsidy with the government. But even so, what I think is ultimately going to happen, right, ultimately, is at the moment, it's cheaper to run an electric car than a petrol car or a diesel car, right? That makes sense. But that is purely a government incentive to try and get people out of their old cars and into electric cars, right? The moment, whenever that moment may be, that majority of the cars on the road are electric, the prices of, you know, a unit of electricity, a kilowatt hour or whatever, will go up in the same way, maybe not to the same extent initially, but probably eventually the same way that petrol has now. Uh, 100%. Yeah. Do you know is... what it is? And do you know what it is? Think of all the lost tax on fuel, like fuel tax that the government exactly, is going to lose. Exactly. I, I disagree there, Sash. I don't, I don't think the electricity price will go up as much as you think it will. It will just be road tax will be done per mile, and they'll just tax vehicles each year. Because like when cars get an MOT, they get their mileage recorded anyway. And electric cars are all you know tracked and blah, blah, blah. It's not hard to see what the mileage is in an electric vehicle. So every year they will just take your mileage and they will tax you based on per mileage. Because otherwise, even even electricity prices go through the roof. The more we pivot over to renewables or say for someone who has solar panels on their roof, you know, if electricity prices shoot through, the like absolutely go up crazy high, but you've got solar panels on your roof, 
then the cost is basically null you, during the daytime in the summer you don't you don't you don't pay for it if you're charging up over the weekend or or whatever mm. as battery packs become more prominent over the next you know 20 30 years i'm not saying they're the correct answer i'm just saying they will probably become a thing in the, or more common in the next 20 to 30 years so i don't think that the electricity prices would be the way they do it i think it would just be a change in road tax because at the minute electric cars have no road tax zero yeah. pounds each. but they're gonna um, have to change yeah that's okay. a fair comment fair comment and that's obviously attributed to part of the savings for this comparison between the courses is obviously the course you have the petrol one you have to pay tax the electric one you don't at the moment yeah, yeah, um yeah. so the yeah, thing is to, going, conundrum talking talking about electric vehicles though servicing i'm assuming is a lot cheaper on an electric vehicle than it is oh, on a because yes. there's only like there's a, a, a lot fewer moving parts right in an electric car and there's barely yeah. any consumables it's not like you're rinsing through oil every day yeah 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 exactly so i mean you're servicing that's something that's never going to really increase in costs you don't think there's i mean there's a say there's a lot of stuff like suspension and all that kind of stuff that also could go wrong especially in the uk where there's like you've got more potholes than serviceable tarmac um yeah but the thing that concerns me batteries because batteries wear out we've all got mobile phones we've all you know you have a mobile phone for a few years and it, it can only hold the same like half the days half the charge it used to hold how has that been addressed has that been addressed yet with the with the with the electric car market yes and no so there's two parts to that i guess from what i've seen and the first part is that the degradation of the batteries has been drastically improved over the past 10 years so now i think most of the sort of uh, i guess top end and i'm not sure what the normal mid and low end electric cars are but you know you're looking at i'll take tesla for an example their batteries are over a 20 year lifespan or 25 year around that mark are only supposed to reduce down from 100% to about 90 give or take percent of their original capacity. So that's part one is they don't they don't go down to the crap level they used to be because they've got things like um, heating and the cooling in the systems now to make them run more efficiently and optimize them as they go through their life. Um, and the second part of what do you do once you do actually have to get rid of a battery? I, I, I have no idea. I think they're still trying to fix that. There's a lot of ideas floating around about using them for things like power power blocks in houses to to sort of uh, mate up with the grid and things, but there's no firm plans yet about anything. There's just ideas. I was going to say that's a good one actually. Using used electric vehicle batteries as a um, if every if every you know building that domestic building had a big bank of batteries to even out its own like uh, peaks and troughs of energy demand. Yeah. Everybody did that. Then you would, uh, you could even out all the peaks and troughs on the national grid and you could move all of your power to a, like a, a much, a much more stable power generation method, like nuclear, for example, or something controllable. Alternatively, if everybody's storing, if each building stores, 48 72 hours worth of power then you could also switch to a more sporadic generation method like wind power wave power tidal whatever and that's the thing is if is if every new set of flats or, or house or whatever has solar panels on top and a bunch of battery packs it will drastically reduce the amount of energy that that place then uses particularly in the summer obviously in the uk in the winter you ain't getting no sun but 
in the summer, it will charge up the batteries all day. Electricity will be used in the nighttime and it will just reduce that in, in a big way. That's one yeah. of the ideas. I mean, how realistic that is. I'm not an electrical engineer, so I don't know the ins and outs of the pros and cons, but it is an idea. It, at least mm-hmm. people are thinking about it. Um, but yeah, that's what people were thinking. And it is one way to sort of, the problem is, is that the good batteries we have now aren't going to be put into that recycle or to that level of recycling for at least another 10, 15, 20 years. The batteries we have right now and the old ones are crap. Like the old leaf batteries are just terrible. They're just not going to work for that kind of stuff. They just don't hold enough power. The other problem is as well, I'm just thinking, is that there's not a lot about car batteries that's particularly nice. They're not made of, you know, nice materials that are weatherproof and if they are if that if you've just got a big stack of old car batteries in like a container outside your house and it's not maintained properly you could get some environmental damage and or some bad uh you know bad problems you know with over over discharging or something you can cause quite big fires and things oh this yeah it's a huge issue yeah so that's that's another one like is is it is it possible to like strip the batteries down and recycle the like the raw elements of them Oh well, yeah, but I think it's difficult. Yeah, the, that is something that they're they're working on. Um, yeah, it's, it's not a lot it's about a really interesting it, point. Because you know? electric cars are obviously supposed to be this like environmental revolution, and everybody's got to reduce their carbon. Everyone accepts that global warming is a thing, but every single like ninety percent of a conventional combustion vehicle is recyclable, isn't it? Quite a lot of like all the plastics in the dashboard, like your engine block, anything made of metal. You can rip most of it out and recycle it, like mm. I'd, I'd say. But you are, if when you shift to having electric an electric car, how much of that? Because electron, like electronics recycling, is a huge problem globally at the moment, and is only going to get worse. If you're then adding hundreds of thousands of tons in 10, 15 years time of batteries made of lithium and you know rare earth elements that are particularly difficult to recycle or dispose of, is that sort of a you know you're, you're okay we've reduced carbon from the atmosphere but what at what cost what we're going to have to do to make sure that that isn't another problem that we yeah. just have to mm. like and it is a huge issue i mean I, I will refer back to your previous statement rob of asking why i would pull apart a perfectly good vehicle right now and swap in the electrics the idea isn't to do it to perfectly good vehicles is to take apart a written off electric vehicle and a yeah old vehicle that is not good for the road anymore or is one that is polluting i.e any petrol diesel vehicle that's even particularly you know so the older ones are are even worse than they are now and if you've got a written off electric vehicle instead of going to all the hassle of recycling the batteries and the motors and blah 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 and then getting this other vehicle that is crap or, or is also written off to some degree and taking all the parts out melting them down or doing whatever you need to do to them and recycling the plastics if you can just swap those together and then recycle the leftover bits, surely that's better than recycling everything to do with the vehicle. Is at least try and give it that sort of new lease of life. It is an interesting point he makes. I don't think it's necessarily going to take the nation by storm, but I agree with him completely. You know, I think I think this we should thing. be making companies like Ford to do that. believe that it is a business worth investing in. They're not obviously saying get broken electric vehicles and swap into old ones, but they're thinking people are going to want to do this because electric vehicles or in fact new vehicles in general are really expensive. 
and it's going to be better environmentally to recycle the body of an older vehicle and chuck in new drivetrain components than it is to make an entirely new vehicle. And they, they, yep. they obviously banking from a business point of view that people are going to want to do that in the future. That's a good point. That's a very good point. I mean, I, I, I yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think it, I think it makes perfect sense. And I don't want to sound like a downer. Probably sound like a bit of a dinosaur already in the past. But even so, now I've got nothing against um, switching to. Well, I've got nothing against electric vehicles. It's just as we've already mentioned probably a million times, and those other people have. The cost of buying an electric vehicle now is just too much money, right? If you want to buy something that actually works and is practical for your day to day. Um, and as we've just discussed as well, is that where exactly, well, not only is where the electricity is coming from, but what happens to these vehicles when they do eventually die? And, you know, what are the implications from a net CO2 uh, carbon perspective going forward from there? But um, I would 100%, if, if, if they were affordable, I would have an electric car like I would, but I, mm-hmm. at the moment, because there is obviously a, there's a huge appeal for my daily vehicle, like your daily vehicle to only cost you like pence to run rather than pounds to run. There's a huge appeal of that. Who wouldn't want to save money doing that sort of thing, you know, but, and there's, there's, there's a lot of cars out there in the world where I'm talking about older ones as well, which is why a lot of restoration companies have started doing that and converting them to EVs that, you don't necessarily buy that car for the engine. You buy that car because of the car itself, the beauty, the way it looks, the, the interior, the way it, you know, it drives. And the nature of the, what dictates its driving experience isn't necessarily governed by the engine. So classic case in point, a Ford Mustang, right? An old 60s Mustang. You wouldn't EV convert that to my mind because the whole point of a Mustang is the V8 that's in the Mustang. Obviously, you've got all the... You know, but making an EV Mustang, in my opinion, would be sacrilege. But making an EV Land Rover Defender, you don't buy a Land Rover Defender because of the engine that's underneath it. No, you don't buy it because they're terrible anyway. You buy it because of the way it looks, its utilitarianism. And if you can make an EV version of that that works, why wouldn't you have that? I don't know. Does that make sense? What about, make what about a Barquetta Sash? A Barquetta <laughs> Um <laughs> A genuine question. How much power did that come out the factory with? Uh, not a great deal. I think it was about 130, 40 brake horsepower. Which is about rough enough the exact same amount of power that a Nissan Leaf can get. So mm-hmm. if you were to get if you wanted to get the same power, but obviously more torque, so you'd have better performance, arguably, mm-hmm. better being only in a straight line, because obviously batteries and blah blah blah. But if you were to swap in electric vehicles, say, for example, obviously you wouldn't do it to a functioning vehicle, but say you blew your motor up. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I don't know, for some obscure Italian vehicle like you want to drive, it cost you five to ten grand to get all the parts and shipped. And if you were going to get labor and that, to fit it all in instead of doing it yourself. And it became financially viable to instead swap in an electric motor would you do it would you debate doing it or would you say no that vehicle needs to have a combustion engine because it's always had a combustion engine uh it's a really good question because the, the fiat architecture is not known for having a particularly <laughs> no it's en- not it's, it's 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 not got a bad engine but it's just an engine from a top of the range punto you know it's a it's variable yeah, valve exactly. you know and yeah. so but, but that's a really tricky one and i can't no, really give you a straight answer 
It's not because, fluffy, so you know. Yeah, it, the problem is with a car like that, weight comes into it. So I would be curious to know what the weight gain, if any, but probably there will be some weight gain from an electric EV conversion to yeah. um, from well, because it, it's a sports car at the end of the day. And to be honest, for me as a bit of a purist, part of the excitement of that car is the way the engine sounds as well when you're changing through the gears. Mm. So I would probably say no to that car, not because the engine is particularly anything special. You could have a an engine from an MX-5 in it probably, but it, it, it shifting through the gears in a sports car and having a lightweight yeah, car overall is, is 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 the appeal of that, you know. And if you're adding half a ton, say, for argument's sake, by making it EV, you're probably going to spoil the handling. You probably it's probably not going to be as. Pe- I don't know if if that is the case. I would say no. If 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 there wasn't so much, if there wasn't a weight gaining penalty and it wouldn't yeah. spoil the way it, way it drove, then I would be tempted to to, have, two to have an EV conversion. Things yeah. to consider. I completely agree with your whole <clears throat> point about yeah. It's definitely nice to have a car that you change through the gears. It makes like the noise. I completely get that. On the handling front, you definitely it's something to, about your EV conversions, Mike. Yeah, there is going to be a weight gain, and that means that when you convert an EV car, you are going to have to do something to change the suspension. Probably have to fit slightly longer springs so that the additional weight doesn't change the suspension geometry when the additional permanent load is added. Mm. So you would have to change that. But for you, Sash, like it shouldn't handle the handling characteristics. If you change out the springs so that it still rides at the same height and the suspension geometry is in the same way, that should keep your handling the same. But the thing to consider as well is batteries generally are fitted very low down in the car, reducing the center of gravity, which means that you could also argue that you're going to be fitting stiffer springs and lowering the center of gravity. That's only going to improve the handling. Mm. Yeah, and, and I will, this, I will and on the on the front of the um on the weight is it used to be the case, and that's why they've got this kind of horrible um horrible association with adding half a ton of weight. It's because that was back in the day when EV conversions were like old school lead acid batteries, and you would <laughs> literally add half a ton. But these days, you're talking about adding maybe 75 to 100 kilos worth of batteries but you have what you have to bear in mind is depending on which vehicle you do it to modern ones a lot of the time not so much because they're made out of space age materials that are quite light but on older vehicles the engines weighed a bloody ton like mm, they, they were yeah out, they're heavy like you know chunky materials they weren't these fancy old aluminium blocks or anything they were chunky old things so when you end up doing it it might not be a huge weight gain and the motors electric motors obviously weigh less than engines do so once you take that into account sometimes you're only adding you might be talking 70 kilos which is the weight of a person which ultimately it is a weight gain if you're if you're racing around a track you wouldn't want to add 75 to 100 kilos for no reason but for a day-to-day driver it's not going to affect the handling at all and you won't need there's something else to consider which is great about electric vehicles and remember I told you guys about the whole thing we have here in Dubai where you've got, you've got an app and then a man comes with a truck and fills up your car at your house? Yeah. And how convenient that is. You don't have to go to the petrol station. Imagine that every day. You just come home from work and plug your car in yeah. and just yeah. put it on and, charge. 
and this and, and this is what I was going to bring up, and I know it's been spoken about in great lengths. At the moment, things are fine if you are in a position like yourself, Michael, even like somebody like me, you know, could retrospectively, you have somewhere to park your car and you have a plug point, right, to, to charge outside the house. Obviously, yeah. that's not easy if you live in a flat and they are working away, working um, ways around that as well. Um, but did your house come with that plug point, Mike? Uh, it happened to, yeah. The guy who had it before me put it in. Because uh, I was going to ask, like, if you had it done and how much did it cost you, just out of curiosity, but you haven't had it done, so... Um, no, although my my dad put he got his put in and i don't think it was all that much because he got it done at the same time basically the expensive bit is getting the electrics done because you need to get a qualified electrician round and the cable exactly and blah 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 um he got it done when he was having his solar panels put in which i think is the strangely the person who had my house before me got it put in just that that's all they had done and it seems a bit weird to do that but um yeah obviously i'm hooking solar panels up to it now but it isn't cheap. You are right on that. It's not. It's not a cheap thing to do just by itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I mean, yeah. Go on. Changing the story. Also, like, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot recently because I, I watched a, I watched a video on CarWow about them testing a Tesla versus the e-tron from Aberdeen down to London, and it made me do some research because I was chatting to some people here about like up and coming projects and this kind of stuff at work because there was. Basically, uh, expressions of interest were launched. I don't know if you guys know, they've, they've just recently opened um, the, new, the first nuclear power station here in the UAE, um, which is four reactors. And it's going to be one quarter of the country's like electricity generation from, from four reactors. But they've released a thing now of like, expressions of interest for another eight, eight units. Or another, they're basically going to take the power station to 12 units total. So another right. eight reactors, so another two right. plants. And on the flip side of that, they've also said that next year there's going to be a whole pile of electric vehicle incentives. So they're going to, like the UK, subsidises the price of buying an electric vehicle. At the moment, electric chargers here, like public chargers here, are completely free to use. So yeah. if you go to the supermarket and there's an electric charging point, you can plug your car in and it's free. If you have one installed in your house um, and you use it, that doesn't count towards your electricity bill. It's like it's not metered. It's kind of like a fixed cost. Interesting. So using your electric car, like filling up your filling up your car with electricity is a fixed cost versus a as much as you need it cost. And then when yeah. you're out and about, it's going to be free. And I was like, hmm, all of these things start to like, I'm starting to think to myself, hmm, I wonder like actually when you get down to it, how much that would cost. Okay, yeah, the cost of financing the vehicle in the first place is going to be the main, the main, the main part of it. But if I never have to go to a petrol station again, I can always charge up at my house. And it costs me a fixed amount every month, no matter how much I use it. Is that is that going to offset the amount of the finance, the cost of the finance? Well, yeah. I mean, like I say, in the case of the course, for example, I gave it, it appears that way. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's it's really interesting. So I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna try and start to wrap up some of this because it's been a really interesting conversation. Um, I'm gonna before I end properly, I'm gonna say in. It's going to be an interesting question, actually, because we're all in slightly different situations and Rob, obviously, you're in a different country. How long do you think it will take from now for you to be buying an electric or getting an electric vehicle, whatever way, shape or form? How many years time do you think you may end up with one? Uh, it's difficult to say. I think for me, depending on how much of what I've just described materializes, 
because uh, it was just kind of like it's it's kind of announcements that may or may not happen. I would say out here probably the next five to ten years, possibly. Quite soon. Yeah, yeah. There's like I mean the, the UAE is one of those places that like if it's going to do something, it's going to do something. Like it's not like oh yeah well in ten years time we're going to do this. It's like no, we must do it now. Like that's why we've got like 98% vaccination rate in the UAE, whereas I think other countries are like next to nothing. Mm-hmm. Mike? Well, yeah, it's an interesting question because I've actually had this conversation with my partner fairly recently about it. And all of these expenses and things, they take into account a massive variety of things, but we're always comparing them against like another new petrol car. The issue comes in is that I already have a fairly new it's not new it's about five years old now but that's still very very new in our eyes petrol vehicle so if you take into account all these things and say oh yeah it's cheaper if you do this cheaper if you do that the cheapest thing for me to do is to not buy any new any new vehicle until this other one my partner's car which she used for a daily driver which ultimately if we bought an electric vehicle that would be what it'd be for it'd be for her to daily drive to work and commute there and back it's only about 15 minute journey or something perfect perfect route and we have a car charger at home and there's one at her work all the rest of it ideal situation but we don't need to buy a new car so it's like well the the cheapest thing for us most financially responsible thing for us to do is not buy any new vehicle so unfortunately case of weighing up the cost of well do we just run this one that we have into the ground and then when we need a new electric vehicle in you know that could be that could be 10, 15 years time by the time this is broken. Yeah. Obviously, when I say run it into the ground, you're actually more like, well, yeah, if we absolutely ran it into the ground, you are, you're potentially looking at 15 years, 10, 15 yeah. years. I don't think it'll yeah. be that long. I think I'll probably end up getting one before that. Because on the flip side, currently our petrol vehicle, the newer one, is actually still worth an amount of money, which we can put towards an electric vehicle, like a, uh, uh, a portion of it you know nothing major it still costs an absolute fortune um so we're, we're probably not going to do it anytime soon just because there's no there's no justification for it we wouldn't actually be saving any money right now um no, but I would, I would like to think five to ten years particularly because in five years time the good electric vehicles that are coming out now will be five years old and as the next five years goes on the market will become more and more saturated with newer electric vehicles Provided, obviously, the supply chain issues that we have don't end up being a long-term thing and prices stay high. If the market sort of begins to balance itself out with inflation and all the rest of it, there will be five to ten-year-old electric vehicles on the market, which should be, provided their batteries say what they're going to do, still pretty good. In fact, very good. In which case, mm-hmm. those will be the ones I'd like to get. I don't think I'll be buying a new electric vehicle ever, particularly mm-hmm. unless I win the lottery. No, but, I, I completely, I, I completely agree. I mean, that you, what you said just makes complete sense. I mean, for me personally, I don't think I will be getting one as a daily. I, I, I don't think I'll be getting one full stop before the government stops selling. Um, basically, by twenty thirty five, when the government says um, it, uh, it will stop selling electric, um, new internal combustion engine cars. I don't think I'll be getting one before then, personally, unless petrol keeps going at a stupid price 
as it is at the moment and it gets to like three four pound a litre or something astronomical like that that they force people out of their cars but i can't see them going to that level because i just can't see it happening but you never say never no i just thought it was an interesting question so I, uh, that's why i thought i'd ask it so, so um that's a, it's an interesting one so but so basically what we're saying is the only thing really stopping any of us from owning an electric car right now is the financial aspect uh, yeah i mean the, the 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 aspect for me is i already own another vehicle if i was in the market yeah. for a car right now i would buy an electric vehicle but i yeah. bought one i bought a different vehicle an internal combustion engine i don't know three four years ago now but if you could if you could buy so okay electric cars good ones are more expensive than good new one like think about the new car market for a moment and i know not out of the three of us none of us have that fond of the idea of buying a brand new car but say for example you could buy a new electric car for the same price as its petrol equivalent diesel equivalent internal combustion equivalent on a comparable finance package would you either of you two be tempted to pay that monthly finance package i know that both all of us are like mm, finance but would you be tempted to pay the whatever it was two three hundred pounds a month knowing that you would never have to pay whatever you pay at the moment for fuel and you would have to your, no, your electricity your I, running costs would be reduced to a fraction of what they are now i hmm. wouldn't right now um and i'll tell you for why and i have the reason why i've deliberately left a time gap in my in my uh say you know when i said i'd get one it's because the infrastructure isn't ready and okay. um i i don't think say a typical lease deals three four years i would i would like to wait that amount of time at least because um as it's been proven many times a load of road tests you go to a charging station it may not work it may not recognize the card or whatever okay. and also as well as that it's the range is getting better definitely yeah. but it's still the charging time and the range for cars at the moment to my eyes is still not quite good enough and still not the level that it needs to be uh see sash yeah see i don't agree with you on there. that point well it's it, i think there's two points to it is in our situation all of us and i'm counting your partner in this as well rob all of us have two vehicles at least if you were to have if you if you were to drive to work well could, could you not essentially if you were to keep the Saab or, or whatever for doing long journeys if you needed to for whatever reason drive to Bleeding Aberdeen tomorrow you could do it in the Saab but for day-to-day -day getting to work would you not then prefer to do that in a car that cost you nothing to do it in to just have them as sort of a, a, a well vehicle this, this, you've this, made it's be. a it's a big if though, Mike, like if somebody gave me an electric vehicle, yeah, of course I'm not going to say no, but I wouldn't pay a finance or buy outright another electric vehicle at this current stage in time to have for the day-to-day -day journeys. Okay. Yeah, I, I if agree I have a, if I have a SAR that yeah. could just perfectly do the job and I can go about it, it's just not, what it, the, the, it's just not worth it. Right. Yeah, Cause yeah. so yeah. And I, although admittedly, like you say, it's, particularly covid i don't do tons and tons of mileage like i used to i used to do a lot more but i've sort of cut down recently but i want to be able to have the ability like i did about a couple of months ago i did a 600 mile round trip um in a weekend right on one tank of fuel right 
didn't cost like I only filled it up and I did all the miles or whatever. I want the ability to do that. And I know not everyone needs that ability, but I want the ability. I'm not necessarily saying 600 miles could be, you know, thing is though, Sash, thing or, is though, Sash, yeah. Sash, each, right, okay. So just, I've I, I just been browsing. A new Audi e-tron's like got a range of 250 miles. You did that 650, 600, 600, 650 mile round trip in a weekend, yeah? Yeah. yeah. You left your house, right, I'm guessing you left your house, right? Yeah. From your house to the next place where you stopped for a length of time, for a significant length of time, how far was that leg? Uh, well, it was it was a very it was a very broken up trip. It was like 100, 150 miles. So arguably, you could have, if you had an electric vehicle, you could do that 100, 150 miles, and then plug it in overnight. Assuming there was a plug point, yes. Well, yeah, exactly. but they all have the like the, the the kits where you can plug them into the wall, right? So the the, the like the mobile being able to. Nah, they're terrible. Oh really? Like, right. Okay. Uh, domestic domestic chargers. So using the Audi e-tron as an example, uh, one of my mates has an Audi e-tron, and he drove up to Bristol a couple of years back because he was flying from there, and he asked if he could leave his car oh, at and charge it on the domestic socket. Um, and I was like, yeah, sure. For seven days, he was away on holiday, and during those seven days, it was plugged in for I don't know uh, a fair chunk of them. And it got, I think it took something like, I don't, actually, I, w I won't say what the number was because I can't remember what it was, but it was, we're talking days here to get it up to a decent charge level. You couldn't just leave it overnight. Now, if you use a domestic car charging bit instead of the three pin socket, yeah, it's like double or triple as quick and you can leave it overnight. I think, I think most vehicles would do about an eight hour or 10 hour charge top to bottom. Okay. That's if you have an actual dedicated car charger yeah and okay. if i did because like i stopped at my parents house in that in that trip right they they live in a flat as well so uh, that you know not having that ability obviously that's a problem and there's no way like mike just highlighted that i'll be able to plug it into a free pin socket unless i want to travel about five miles or whatever in because i was just literally was there for one night that was it yeah. and then i went so my journey was like but hertfordshire you... to brighton brighton to yeah. hertfordshire hertfordshire to manchester manchester to hertfordshire so and I was could you've gone? I, could you've gone Hertfordshire to Brighton and back? Because how far is that? That's what, like eighty miles? Hundred miles? hundred. Yeah. So you could you way. could have done that leg. You could have done that leg on one charge. Slept overnight. Charged the car back up. The Manchester bit might have been a bit more difficult. You probably want to cut this down in the edit because we're just chatting shit now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I know. But no, I, I I get what you mean, mate. It, it, it could be plausible and i think in the near future maybe five ten years time it will be plausible perhaps but at the moment as things stand yeah it, they're not quite there yet but Again, um and it's interesting because it's, it's interesting because obviously like the uk is a completely different situation to where i am because like everything the country's not very big it's like everything is within everything i want to do in my car is within a, a round trip of an of a, of a battery charge yeah, like if yeah. I need to go down to Abu Dhabi yeah. for a meeting, that's the most I'd have to do. Like, and then it'd be there and back, and it's 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 like two hundred kilometers, which is half the half the battery charge. Or if I want to go up to the like anything I want to do is within. So if I had that like charger station fitted in the house, I could do that, and I wouldn't have to worry about charging up anywhere else. And like I said, all the domestic, all the like publicly available chargers here, they're not so many at the moment, but there's more and more and more are coming. 
Um, and what is really interesting here is like you mentioned about your solar panels is that here like supermarkets and stuff have like shaded car parks and yeah. more and more those shaded car parks they're using solar panels as the shades as opposed yeah. to like stretched out material so where you've got those shaded car parks with the solar panels you've got charging points a handful of charging points in the car park so if you go to a place you just plug your car straight in what would oh, be really yeah. interesting that here in the uk a lot of supermarkets and stuff have it as an incentive to use their supermarket or the other ones where it's a free car charger it's a free car charging port in in supermarket car parks so they're public you can put it in there and it's a decent charger and they've got them in other places as well like i think national trust sites are free and things like that it's just to encourage people to a use their electric vehicle and b to use that service rather than someone else's yeah mm. what'll be interesting is when they can do wireless charging for your car I think. Yeah. Well, we're talking. Let's yeah. just park it, in a, park it in a car park, and it just tops itself up while you're in the supermarket. And that would be a game changer, but I don't know if that's, that's going to happen in our so lifetime, good. mate. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, well, all very interesting chaps. We've 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 gone on, but it was a very interesting conversation. Like, a good question from you, Mike. But um, uh, that's spawned that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up now, and I'm just the final thing is I'm just gonna ask for one one objective. We'll obviously continue doing these as a, on a quarterly basis, but one objective for 2022, um, car related, travel related, something like that, or just generally related that you're hoping to achieve, and we can revisit because I think it's interesting to. Um, to uh to do these things i'm hoping you two are going to come visit because i'm fed up of you making promises and not coming <laughs> i'm fed up of make mike making promises and not delivering on them rob i'm with you on that hey, <laughs> says you <laughs> four oh, years I've... I've lived here and neither of you bastards have come and visit me i know i know i know <laughs> hang on i okay i do you know what i'm not even gonna bother making excuses because i don't really have any more but um buying barquettas you've been buying pickup trucks and solar panels and houses like yeah. just ridiculous yeah, yeah. Uh, I will. Thought you know who your friends are. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll refer much... back to but my previous answers and say that I've learned from my mistakes and I shall commit to nothing. <laughs> right. But I will. I will strive. I will strive to. It, again, I think what's happened is COVID has just ground down my optimism. I would. I'll strive to travel out to see Rob because we're both trying to do that, aren't we, Sash? Yes. Uh, yes. But otherwise, I guess just service of Fiat Cinquecento is on my 2020. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I echo what uh, what Mike says. I mean, yeah, it is it, yeah it is it is on my intention. I'm hoping that COVID doesn't get in the way of things. But as we've learned over the course of this past year and listening to that podcast last year, um, things do change quite quickly. So fingers crossed. Yeah, no, it would be nice to travel out. If I'm going to make one holiday next year, that would be the holiday I'd like to do, Rob, is to come and see you. Um, so that is on my radar. Um, more car-orientated things as well. Basically, just getting the Barquetta ready for the spring summer months and enjoying some um, some motoring in that. That's going to be my target from a motoring perspective and just tops grow off fun. my collection tops of fun and just top grow my collection of uh of tools really um this is what Sash i'm is gonna have some doing fun with this top off yep i am i am what about you rob apart from seeing us obviously uh i mean motoring related yeah i think so i um 
I, I, I've had like, I, yeah, I, there's some bits that need doing to it. I think I, I finally need to replace the suspension because, yeah, Dubai speed bumps are a little bit manic and they destroy everything. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I, 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 every, it's just it's just a really nice car to get into. Like whenever you <laughs> decide you're a child and you find the right pedal, it just puts a big big smile on my face. So I don't think I've I've got any reason to to get rid of it right now. Fair enough. Well, I mean, it's been quite a year, and I'm just going to mention these final things in, in passing as well. The F1, I won't go into it, but the F1 this year, the season overall was a very good season, I think, and the finale was, um, well, it was interesting. Uh, we won't go Controversial. Into it, contra- very controversial. Yeah, very controversial. Um, and hopefully next year brings brings some, you know, more interesting races. So that's that was great. And obviously that you were there to actually watch it in, in real life, Rob, which was a very yeah, jealous of. Um, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, we could have we, talked about that a lot more, but I'm, I'm guessing we, that your jealousy is probably why we haven't done that. Partly, yes. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll speak to you about that off, 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 off microphone. Uh, finally, if anyone hasn't watched it, go watch the new Grand Tour special. I thought it was very good. Um, I actually think it was one of the best specials I think they've ever done on the Grand Tour, um, purely because I think it was actually more car orientated than them just cocking around. Obviously, they were cocking around, but. Um, yeah, so well, I think that was good. So, viewers, it's been a great 2021. Uh, it's been a good year. Um, we look forward to speaking to you again in the new year and listening to our dribble. Um, and hopefully, I know we said this last year, but I know I don't want my optimism to be ground down like Mike's, but hopefully we'll be able to do something together as a trio. And when we do, in person, we can record a podcast together as a free uh, as a freesome sounds a bit dodgy but you know what i mean that sounds uh, that sounds good <laughs> I, I think in terms of covid and optimism I, I i also feel like mine's a bit shot as well um but i've just been thinking it can it it, it can't get much worse than this it can oh, only rob, get better now you now you've said it rob <laughs> now you've said it oh god there'll be a new gamma variant and a new oh no no Well, until then, viewers, it's been a pleasure. I've dug some outro music and uh, we'll see you all very soon. How do I stop recording?